This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we are tackling the super, super fun topic. <laughs> Of marriage and money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) You know, marriage and money can rank right up there as one of the best things or one of the worst things in your life at any given day. (laughs) I can't wait, Mary. I hope next week you do marriage and kids. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Nope. I'm going to leave that for the marriage counselors. I'm just going to tackle the money side. (laughs) So here's the thing. You know, marriage is complicated in and of itself. So is money. And when you combine the two things, it can sometimes be a powder keg. And um, the very best thing that you can do in your marriage is to figure out how to have open communication about money. Okay. So recognizing, first of all, that everybody comes from different backgrounds. And so your money background and your money story is absolutely going to inform what you think about mm-hmm. money now today, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So for instance, um, Let's just say that um, you grew up very poor. Okay. And if you grew up poor, then your version of what money does in your life and how money works is completely different than a spouse who grew up where money was abundant. Okay. For sure. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So, Amy, what about you? What was money like for you when you were growing up? Um, We were comfortable but very conservative. Okay. Um, So... In fact, my brothers are 10 and 13 years older than I am, and so they always say that they were raised by a completely different family. <laughs> my youngest sister thinks yeah, that, too. Yeah, yeah, and it's all about where your parents are at in their life of their earning power. Yep. Mm-hmm. My uh, youngest sister's experience of my parents is completely different than mine, and I'm pretty sure I broke my parents. <laughs> I was that bad of a teenager. <laughs> when I was 16 and I got a car, my brother said, not only did I not have a car, I had to hitchhike. <laughs> mm, that's too bad. Yeah, bummer for you. <laughs> but anyway, the thing about it is that we all have our money story, and our money story is created from a very young age. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that connects in the people's money story is their work ethic, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Because there's certain people who absolutely believe and rely on the fact that If you're going to get money, you need to work to earn it. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole other contingent of people that just think that money should be given to them. There's an entitlement type of issue, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And a lot of that has to just basically do with how we were raised. But that being said, whoever you're married to, presumably you're married to them because you love them. (laughs) Most times. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Most days, at least. And so having conversations about money is something that is really an important piece of um, open communication and peace within a marriage. Okay. So we're going to talk about some good questions today that you can visit with your spouse about. And then we have something really fun to give away. They're called the Couple Money Mindset Cards. Okay. So they were created by a company that um, actually focuses heavily on marriage and money. We have four sets of them to give away. So if you'd like a set of these to have a conversation with your spouse off of them, then just give us a call or go out to sterkfinancialservices.com and request them. The first for people that request them. We'd be happy to send them to you. But they are some of the questions that we're going to go over today. And and here's how to use these cards. If you're going to go on a road trip 
and you have now trapped your spouse in the car with you. <laughs> I call that a captive audience. There you go. <laughs> this is a great time to have these conversations. Yeah, it would be. It actually would. Don't start this when you're already irritated with each other. Start this at a, a good time. But, okay, so here's here's something that would be a great question to talk and maybe to kick off this conversation with your spouse. What is the most extravagant purchase you have ever made? Hmm. So what about you, Amy? What would you say your most extravagant purchase Well, is? here's how, you know me, Mary, everything's gray. So <laughs> I really had to ponder this question because I decided to answer it like this. It depends on what time it was in my life. Different sure. things were extravagant at different times in my life. So That's I was point. thinking about um, when I was 25 and I bought a dining room set and I charged it to, to J.C. Penney. <laughs> and that's also for another question that you're going to ask. <laughs> and that will always stay in my long-term memory, that particular purchase, because that was really extravagant. And that was intimating that I had become a full-blown adult. Ah, you gotcha. know, anything okay. about that. Um, and, and then anyway, and then also it was a big deal last year that, uh, that I got to buy an all new set of golf clubs because I've never bought new clubs ah. except for when my parents got me a set. Mm-hmm. Like and it was a substantial purchase in making the decision and it felt really, um, I felt really privileged (laughs) (laughs) it's like what sometimes when you when you spend money on something that others might consider frivolous Mm -hmm. then it feels good but it also feels bad there's this really weird sense of shame or guilt around it yeah right yeah so interesting and so that you i actually (laughs) question it that way what's your most extravagant purchase on purpose because it takes people to the what's the thing I didn't really need. You know, it <laughs> right? does. Food is not extravagant. Yeah. <laughs> and there were the cars and those things, but I was sure. thinking how those are those are different kinds of extravagant purchases. And they're not extravagant if they're practical and you need a car. It's yeah. I did not need a new set of golf clubs. <laughs> right. So my most extravagant purchase um, that I can say is that I took a big risk when I bought another business. Oh, sure. And um, I was getting ready to, or I was wanting to buy out another financial advisor Uh who lived down in Burlington, Iowa. And um, it was a big deal. Oh. It was a big check. I'd never written out a check that big before. And it was a big risk. And I will tell you that um, I felt like it was a super strong business decision. Mm -hmm. And my now ex-husband, which I'm 100% sure this issue contributed to the ex part (laughs) of that. But my ex-husband was incredibly uncomfortable with us taking that risk. And so we had agreed on, okay, I'm going to go negotiate on this. We're going to go up to this price. And if I can't get it for this price, I'm going to walk away. And that is not how that rolled. I (laughs) I went right past that price. Not by too much, at least in my standards. But it was definitely higher than what he and I had agreed on. And I did the deal. But it forever, um, I think, wounded him Mm -hmm. that I did not stay aligned with what he and I had agreed on. Interesting. So I can clearly say that that extravagant purchase created a rift in my marriage. Mm-hmm. That was something that was revisited multiple <laughs> times. 
<laughs> so I think that a lot of our listeners can relate to that, though, right? There's going to be Absolutely. marital rifts that have been created because yes. of money or spending. Well, and when you put the word extravagant on it, it suggests that, as you said, it's something that's not necessary and something that probably has some emotion to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So the experience of an extravagant purchase is going to be different for everybody. And so, you know, I'm going to suggest you not do it the way that I did it and, <laughs> and not align with what your spouse wanted because it did cause issues for us. But at the same time, it's if you're communicating ahead of time, that's at least step one. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do in a marriage is to make a giant extravagant purchase without telling your spouse mm-hmm. and just doing it without mm-hmm. communicating ahead of time, right? Yes, that's, yeah, that's that's for counseling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another great question that's in these many cards is, if you could change one thing about how you save and spend money, what would it be and why? So, Amy, if you could change one thing about how you save and spend money, what would that be? I, When I grow up, Mary, I want to be <laughs> the person who pays all of my monthly expenses. And by the way, this question took me a while to come up with what it is. I wish I was that person that put my utility bills, all my fixed expenses on a credit card and then at the end of the month, I pay them all that way because I pay them anyway. Sure. But I'm not mature enough to pay them all with the credit card and realize that that cash at the end of the month has to pay the <laughs> credit card. Spent. And I've had disastrous effects from <laughs> trying to be that person. But I always thought that seemed so functioning and smart because you're getting the perks from whatever your credit card is mm-hmm. that you have. And I, I thought it made a lot of sense. But... Um, so first of all, it totally that can make sense, but it requires a spirit discipline? of discipline yeah. that's mm-hmm. not necessarily easy to achieve. Mm-hmm. A lot of people look at the bank balance and say, oh, I have that much money to spend, not, oh, 80% of that's already spoken for. Right. right? So we're going to take another run at that. And <laughs> what we're going to do is take that money that our fixed expenses are and put that in a different account that sure. it's there. But so I made the mistake of trying that like, other mature people do and it it didn't work out but um i would say that would be the one thing i'd like to really change about how i save and spend money okay so in the two questions you've keyed in on like the idea of you feel like there is a way that mature people act with money <laughs> so that must be something that and it's a power that you, you know yeah, yeah feeling in do. control mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep yeah. absolutely Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about marriage and money. And we have these great cards called Couple Money Mindset Cards. We have four sets of them to give away. So reach out to us via phone or website at stirkfinancialservices.com if you'd like a set of these cards so you can have some of these great money conversations with your spouse and uh, maybe create a whole nother level of connectivity and understanding mm-hmm. in your marriage. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's talk about one that is um, equally horrifying and funny. <laughs> Um, what is one financial mistake and one financial success you've made? And what did you learn from these experiences? So let's start with the mistakes. <laughs> Amy, what's your big Finally mistake? a show I get to be in charge of. <laughs> so I was thinking back, Mary. So back uh, for years, I had an interior design studio mm-hmm. and 
I had a healthy clientele and when um, a big chunk of the people that were my clients left when Gateway moved their corporate offices corporate offices to San Diego, mm-hmm. I lost a huge base oh, of people sure. that okay. I decorate for. And um, I was a single mother of two. I wasn't receiving any extra support from my former spouse. Mm-hmm. So the lesson I learned is dealing with bill collectors. Ah. And um, what I did, I think I was overwhelmed, but I didn't take their calls. So you <laughs> That is it. a very bad idea. <laughs> that is a very <laughs> bad idea. And so I ended up with all, I brought on more problems in not dealing with bill co- collectors because I didn't want to have to talk to them about money, Mary. So the mistake was not being willing to just step into the issue and face the challenge yeah, head on. Yeah, because mm-hmm. of how I was raised, yep. I was so ashamed sure. that I was not paying my bills. Yep. And so I think, well, I'm not going to call them. I know I'll be able to pay this in three weeks when this, you know, you know, you rationalize. The positive that came out of it was, as I started to deal with it and got through it, um, number one, I ended up, I didn't have any credit cards, and Uh I didn't have any debt. Okay. And within maybe two or three years, my credit score, I I was astonished. We went- Then it went right back up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my big extravagant purchases was we bought a Mini Cooper. I'd always wanted one. Because I found out my credit score was in the high 800s. Like, wow, are you kidding me? <laughs> and um, so they are related to one another. Um, first of all, the debt, and then how you live your life, you know, and you're not, I didn't have any, I just didn't have any debt, and I paid my bills very timely. And now, So you, you went know. from being kind of a financial mess yeah. to <laughs> being in the a place time. where, yeah. yeah, where you were paying your bills on time, where you had raised your credit score, and where you were taking your money much more seriously now, mm-hmm. no debt. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to congratulate you. Like, Thank that's a you. huge turnaround for people to make. That is a story that doesn't happen for a lot of people. Okay. So it's interesting that you say, like, earlier you were talking about wanting to be more mature with money. Uh-huh. But the uh-huh. thing about it is for you to get from where you were to where you are now, that already indicates a level of maturity with money that you should mm-hmm. actually be really proud of. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I remember being astonished when I... We, when we, and then I was also married by the time I came sure. out of this. But um, it's just it's just interesting how that happens. Yeah. My biggest financial mistake was when I was a youngster as well. Okay. And um, a lot of our listeners know that my journey has taken me from welfare to wealth management. Yes. And back in those welfare days, if I didn't have enough money to pay my credit card bill, I would just take a cash advance off of another credit card to pay oh, my credit card bill. And sure. then when it came time to pay the second card, I would take a cash advance off the card I just paid off to pay my other credit card. And it was just this back Robbing and forth Peter game. To pay Paul. It's exactly what it was. And, you know, ultimately, that's not a good plan. (laughs) Yeah. Who's in control here? Right. And I woke up one day realizing, you know, when I was like 21 years old that I had over $10,000 worth of credit card debt going, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Right. So and what I I did pay it all off. I've never like declared a bankruptcy or anything like that. It just took time to pay it off. But it took the diligence to make myself address it and then do it. So that's really the biggest piece of advice that I think that when you're talking to your spouse about money is everybody makes financial mistakes from time to time. Mm -hmm. That's not outside of the normal span of things. Mm -hmm. It's what you learn from them 
and what you take from those experience forward to not make those same mistakes again and then to turn it into a future success that I think yeah. is the most important part mm-hmm. of this question. Yes. So, okay. Next question. What is the most important lesson your parents taught you about money? And what impact does it have on your relationship with money today? Well, for me, uh, looking at my parents, um, they lived comfortably, but they 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 really didn't make extravagant purchases. Mm-hmm. But as I pondered this question, I decided it's that they really took joy in life's little things and how you want to live with what you're given, being appreciative, being appreciative of what you sure. have mm-hmm. and realizing you, you know, I always felt they felt very blessed. They felt they had enough and they really, um, you know, I think one of their biggest fights I remember, and this has to do with your quality of life was my mom wanted a living room light on every night cause it looked cozy, even though we weren't in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my dad would say, turn that light off. <laughs> why, why do you have that light on? Mm-hmm. And I still carry it with me. I turn the light on and I remember my mom saying, I'm going to turn it off for one month and let's see what a difference it makes in the utility bill type sure. thing. But, um, 13 cents, you know, they, they, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. and that's how he was raised. But, uh, they put an in-ground pool in when I was in high school and, um, I can remember how, um, they, they handled that. They were, um, they had lots of parties and it was a great time, but I remember them feeling that it was being a little spendy. Oh, sure. For them. I'm mm-hmm. sure that it was. Yeah. But what's interesting is they were connecting a lifestyle with being willing to spend that. And yeah. I think that a lot of people are very willing to spend up on experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are willing to spend up on things, but um, others are not willing to spend up on things versus experiences. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, like somebody might spend up to put a pool in where their kids can have all their friends over mm-hmm. all summer long, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't necessarily spend up on designer clothing. Right. right. So it's things versus experience. Right. So Yeah. And mm-hmm. my dad was the type we did not have a service come um service the pool. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how that worked. <laughs> I was happy to do it. But yeah. So I think that um the most important lesson that my parents taught me about money was that there was no free lunch. If you wanted money, you better go figure out how you're going to work for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did dishes all week long to make a quarter. Um, you know, if I wanted to buy a pair of blue jeans that was over their limit, I had to pay for that myself. So I better get out there and babysit to mm-hmm. make some money. I started working at an actual real job by the time I was 14. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that because people yes. used to start working at real jobs um, much young. younger than mm-hmm. they do today. Yes. So um, I think that that definitely tied into it for me. And and even today, if if there is anything that you know, I perceive as maybe not going as well as I'd like, or if there's any darkness or doubt in what I'm looking at the future, I just go to work. Like, oh, that Mary, is that's my go-to thing. Like, if there's a problem, I'm just going to go to work and I'm going to go hammer it out and I'm going to be there until it needs to get taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that definitely has impacted my life. And I would like to think that I've instilled some of that in my kids, but that... Mm-hmm. It's still early to tell on that one. <laughs> Isn't that so true? We'll see. <laughs> to be continued. 
So, all right. Next question. What is your greatest hope for retirement and what is your greatest fear? So let's talk about that, Aim. Um, well, let's see. I wrote down a bunch of things on this, Mary. And ultimately, and because as some of our listeners were calling, you know, I had quite a bit of experience in the industry of retirement from working for an assisted living. And sure. Dealing with that age group, I still care for um, an aged person now, a 96-year-old who's a shut-in. I would feel like this contributes a lot to your greatest fears. (laughs) It does. (laughs) your greatest Which (laughs) was, I had two things. I don't want to be bitter. Okay. And I don't want to be alone. Ah. It's not about how much money, because I believe God provides. And so it's not that I I would like to have relevantly good health. I, you know, I I would be good if I'm out of here at 85. I don't want to live a long time because I've seen people and they, well, you just, you know, but anyway, I think everyone can relate to that. So I try and really drop it down to a very basic. I love that because really what you just said is that it's all about your emotional feelings of how you want to be in retirement, not about the money. Yes. And, and I think that that part of retirement planning is having to take into what you want your life to look and feel like. So leads me into just a quick note. We do have a retirement seminar coming up on September the 28th. So mark your calendar. If you're thinking about retirement in the next five to 10 years, this one's for you. (laughs) So anyway, we hope that you can use some of this as great material to talk to your spouse about, reach out and grab a set of these couple money mindset cards. I think they'll prompt some really great conversation for you. And you're better over coffee than cocktails to (laughs) talk about these things. (laughs) And thanks for listening to us about marriage and money. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555.